0: Today's podcast is brought to you by The Power of A. The Power of A was created by the American Society of Association Executives to highlight the many contributions America's associations make to the economy and society at large. Learn more at thepowerofa.org. From the CQ Roll Call Newsroom in Washington, this is CQ Now your nonpartisan news source for how the inside workings of Congress and the
1: federal government shape the real world. President Barack Obama's historic trip to Cuba is over, but how his diplomacy affects the United States' ties with its Caribbean neighbor is very much an open question. While administration officials and their Cuban counterparts are identifying business opportunities, Congress still has to decide whether to lift a Cold War-era trade embargo on the island nation. I'm Adriel Bettelheim with CQ Roll Call, joined by CQ agriculture and trade reporter Ellen Ferguson. Ellen, so far Obama has chipped away at the margins of U.S. sanctions against Cuba, for example, by allowing the resumption of scheduled commercial flights. But how far can he really go on his own?
2: He may have one or two more tricks up his sleeve, but he's hemmed in pretty much by the laws that constitute the U.S. embargo against Cuba. He's essentially, by and large, through his executive actions, been building on exceptions and exemptions that are within the the embargo. But I think he's starting to run out out of things that he can do. And I think he also is trying to build pressure on Congress to act, if not before he leaves office, then shortly after.
1: Republicans are blaming Obama for not getting enough concessions on human rights and individual freedoms from the Castro regime before easing restrictions. What's the White House's response been so far?
2: I think the White House is saying it's playing the long game. It's trying to establish to Cuba we want to be friends and allies as much as we can be. We have different types of governments. And his speech to the Cuban people, he laid out those differences. He said, We're going to differ on human rights, and you're going to hear from us on human rights. We have a democratic government. You have a communist or socialist government. We're going to differ, but differences do not mean that we have to be enemies. And by expansion and essentially reintroducing the American people to Cuba and Cubans to America, he's trying to build pressure, human pressure, and business pressure on Congress so that it will work to lift – the embargo.
1: So some of the experts you've spoken with think the Cubans will wait until the last days of Obama's presidency to adhere to the calls for economic change, right?
2: That's true. That's one of the scenarios. I think what they're trying to say is people have to remember this is a very complex relationship. Cuba views itself as the injured party in this embargo uh, situation. It also looks at the United States, which is many times larger, much more powerful, much wealthier. And there's this long history of the United States dominating Cuba. So Cuban leaders are a little wary. They're also very proud of what they have built. And so they will, they could wait until the last days of the Obama administration. They could wait until Raul Castro, currently president, steps down in 2018. It just really sort of depends on what they think is in their best interest, how they think they can kind of balance this relationship so that they don't feel as though they are overwhelmed by America again.
1: So the sanctions date to the 1960s. They've been amended several times and they were codified in 1996 so that a president can't actually lift the embargo without Congress's approval. Do you think Congress would be more willing if Castro, if a Castro, any Castro is not in power?
2: I think that makes the argument stronger for those who support lifting the embargo. Because often the response from the um, Cuba hawks has been, if you do this, then the Castros will benefit. I know that some of the um, arguments now sort of look to younger Castro relatives who might benefit. But I think if Castro leaves, and there are some other concessions perhaps made, that that builds the case in Congress. And as several Republicans have told me, they think if their leadership would just hold a vote, they think they would win and that the embargo would be lifted.
1: So let's talk a little business. Agriculture interests could be big winners. Lifting the embargo could allow for private financing of agriculture sales to the island. What products, what companies, who are we potentially talking about?
2: Well, we're talking about rice. We're talking about poultry. uh, We're talking about beans. And we're maybe talking about some other things because that's the power of marketing, and that's really what – the ag interest would like to do is get in there and be able to talk up US products and to build relationships that they say that other countries have built over the years. And they believe very strongly, although some um, kind of disagree, they think maybe the Cubans are playing the American agriculture. But American agriculture believes very strongly that if it had the power, individual companies, to decide on a case-by-case basis as to when they're going to extend credit that that would make for much stronger sales and help U.S. ag out. No
1: surprise there were some farm state lawmakers in the delegation accompanying Obama on this trip. CQ's agriculture and trade reporter Ellen Ferguson on changing prospects for U.S.-Cuban economic ties. I'm Adriel Bettelheim. Thanks for listening. Until next time, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at CQ Now, and you can download our podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud.
0: Today's podcast was brought to you by The Power of A. The Power of A was created by the American Society of Association Executives to highlight the many contributions America's associations make to the economy and society at large. Learn more at thepowerofa.org.